Hello. Hello. And welcome to Seriously Disturbed, a true crime podcast. Where we give you guys your Sunday scaries. I'm Lauren. And I'm Savannah. And this week, I will be telling you guys the story about the murder kit killer. My story that I have for you today is someone who literally, truly terrifies me. Um, I think we first heard of him a couple years ago on Crime Junkie, but I have not been able to like get him out of my head because he is so just seriously disturbed. Um, So this story starts on February 1st, 2012 where 18-year-old Samantha Koenig is finishing up a seemingly normal shift at Common Ground's coffee stand in Anchorage, Alaska. Okay, so the coffee stand that Samantha works at, it's kind of one of those, like, snow cone stands you may see here, like, in Missouri or, you know, in, like, the Midwest. So it's just, like, a one-person... And this is the middle of Alaska. Is it cold? Well, it's in like a big city in Alaska. Like Anchorage is a pretty big city, but it is cold. I mean, it's February. It's snowing. It's probably like in the teens. It's cold. So and it's she's just an ice cream shop. I don't understand, but a coffee shop. Oh, a coffee shop. <laughs> a coffee shop. Common Grounds Coffee got Stand. It. Got it. Got it. I'm here. Yep. So there's just Samantha working alone, and there are surveillance camera footage. And like surveillance cameras that are monitoring the stand. So this is kind of how we're able to find out what happens to Samantha at the end of her shift. So while Samantha was working towards the end, she was approached by a man wearing a ski mask who orders a coffee. When Samantha turns to make the man his coffee, he pulls out a gun and demands Samantha to give him money from the coffee stand, like from the from the cash register and he says yeah literally and he says this is a robbery turn the lights off like absolutely terrifying yeah okay well samantha terrified is gathering any money that she can find i mean it's not like this place is loaded with money it's a small coffee stand so like don't know how much money he's expecting but maybe that's why he did this place because it's so like small and you wouldn't think this would happen here, but so while she's gathering any money she can find, the masked man literally jumps through the window and goes into the coffee shop and he ties Samantha's hands with zip ties. Now, according to the video footage that we see, so there's a video camera recording the outside and the inside of the coffee shop. So he is inside the stand for about 10 minutes and tells her that he has what she does um, an ear like headphone in that is tuned to the police radio and he says if there's ever at like any time during this 10 minutes if there's a police that is dispatched to their location he will kill her so i don't remember this yeah so he says this and i don't know if he knew this beforehand i mean he must have but there was an actual alarm button inside of this coffee stand and like for this very reason like in case um Cause I mean, it's like teenage girls working here alone and yeah. at night where it's dark. So they have this alarm button that will alert the police if they're afraid or, you know, if they need police to come interfere for whatever reason. 
But Samantha was so terrified of what was going on and what this guy was telling her that she didn't have the opportunity to press the alarm button. Oh my God. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> it's so scary. So despite this being like a pretty popular populated area where this coffee stand, coffee shop, I keep like interchanging that, but where mm-hmm. this coffee stand is, there's people walking like to and from their cars, going into various restaurants and shops, but no one really sees or thinks anything's weird when Samantha and her abductor just starts walking out of the coffee shop towards his car. And the reason is, is he has a gun like concealed, but pointed at her at ba- and he's basically saying like, don't do anything or I'll shoot you. Mm-hmm. So and remind me, this is nighttime or daytime. This is nighttime. This is at like okay. 8 PM. Okay. Okay, and remember, she was about to close up the shop. So shortly after this all happened, Samantha's boyfriend, Dwayne, shows up to the coffee shop to pick Samantha up after after her shift ended. And that's when he notices that the stand was completely dark and there was no one there, which seemed extremely odd to him because he often picked her up from work. The man has Samantha in his car and he starts driving around the town waiting for his live-in girlfriend of like long-term live-in girlfriend to go to bed. So he's just driving around town and he's telling Samantha that he is kidnapping her for ransom. And if her and her family cooperated, she would be okay. And he would let her go. So she's probably just like, okay, like I'll comply, you know? And, but now knowing what I know, I would be jumping out of that car. But anyway, literally. Yeah. So while they're driving around waiting for his girlfriend to go to bed, he soon realizes that Samantha does not have her phone with her. So he literally drove her back to the coffee stand to retrieve her cell phone. And he wanted to do this so he could send a fake text to her boyfriend, like it's coming from. I just say, is Dwayne still there? Come on, Dwayne. Yeah, I know. And there's another thing coming up too with Dwayne that you're like, oh my gosh, it's like so close two times that he could have been caught. But anyway, so he goes back to retrieve the cell phone and he sends a fake text to her boyfriend that he will be that she will be spending a couple of days with her friends and just to let her family know that that's where she'll be and like to not expect Whatever. her at home. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So after he retrieved the cell phone, um, I guess his girlfriend was asleep at this point as well. They He drove them to their house where he s- hid Samantha in an outside shed. And remember, we're in Alaska and it's like freezing cold. Um, so she's just basically outside. And he turned on loud music to drown out any noises Samantha may make or was making so his girlfriend and neighbors wouldn't be able to hear her. Are they going to hear the loud freaking music and call the cops? But whatever. <laughs> I know, right? At like 10 p.m. Um, yeah. And I, in this documentary I was watching called Very Scary People, the police detectives were making a note of just how close the houses were together, like close to each other. So it's just awful that no one was able to hear, or like no one thought it was strange. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. You don't expect the worst. <laughs> exactly. And, and this guy he had a construction business so maybe like his neighbors didn't think it would be weird that he was working out in his shed at night like listening to music like maybe he was doing something for work I don't know um Uh not sure so while he has Samantha tied up in his shed he realizes that Samantha didn't have her debit card on her so do you know what this dude does goes back to the motherfucking coffee shop (laughs) not the coffee shop he is so confident in himself that he drives to Samantha's house 
<gasps> where her boyfriend is staying and breaks into her boyfriend's car to steal her 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 debit card. How did he know I was there? It's I guess so- Samantha told her told him where to find it. Where yeah, she probably be. thought she was buying some time. Yeah. So while why, he, why does he need her debit card to, to prove that she's still active? Yeah, so I'll I'll get to that in a second. Okay. Um okay. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So while he was in like breaking into her boyfriend's car to steal the debit card, Samantha's boyfriend actually saw him. And he thought he was some kind of burglar and ran inside to help. Like he was already flustered, thinking it was strange that Samantha wasn't at the stand when he went to pick her up and the texts that he sent her or the texts that she sent him, you know, were just like weird to him and unsettling. Yeah. So he was like kind of just flustered, like what is going on? So he ran inside to get Samantha's dad to come out. But by the time that they came back outside to help, the man had already fled. So Dwayne's living with her and her parents, right? Yeah. So I don't know if they were living together or if he was just there because he thought the situation was weird and was talking about it. So Uh I don't know the specifics. You know how like your boyfriend texts or your girlfriend texts. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, their schedule, like you wouldn't really wait last minute to say that you're going to stay at someone's house. Yeah. So there's no way you'd be like, oh, sorry, I'm going to hang out with the girls for two days. Yeah. See you later. You know, I didn't have a car, didn't tell you I was doing this. You're, yeah, weird. Yeah, it's all very strange. So, after he barely escaped being caught, he drove back to his own house. He got inside and poured himself a glass of wine. He's like, damn, that was a stressful night. I need a glass of wine. <laughs> like, the edge off, yeah. Yeah. Uh... And after he poured himself a glass of wine he proceeded to go outside and rape and strangle samantha to death ew i ugh, ew yeah. awful yeah that's so terrifying and to make it even worse if it could even be worse than that he goes inside acts like nothing happened and he packed for a pre-planned cruise it was like a 12-day cruise or something that he had Imagine with his... being on a boat with this man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he packed for this trip with his living long-term girlfriend. And by this time, it was probably morning and he woke his daughter up for school. And then he went to the airport with his girlfriend. Wait, he has a daughter too. Oh my God. Yeah, he has a daughter. I she... just don't understand how you don't know. Like, I'm not blaming anyone, but how do you live with a murderer and you have no idea? Like, it's so crazy. Well, that's just like the thing about these people that are so terrifying is and like he even kind of said later um in this very scary people documentary they had like recordings of him um in the police interrogation rooms and he was like I just had this ability yeah I had an ability to play two different people like no one would ever acting come on (laughs) (laughs) I know um so the next day after all of this happened the Police get a call from the owner of the coffee stand, and supposedly when the worker came in the next day, she noted that all of the lights were off and, like, napkins were thrown all over the floor, and there wasn't any money in the till box like there should be. So Mm -hmm. she called the boss, her boss, and her boss came to the stand, and she thought that it was strange as well, so they pulled up their surveillance footage, and that's when they saw this encounter that Samantha had with that's so scary yeah and so they called the police 
so they she shows the police the footage and because the video was so long like I don't think I remember to mention this but this guy was in the stand with Samantha for like over 10 minutes oh my god yeah he was in there with her for a long time what were they doing that whole time I mean I don't we we don't know like yeah I don't know but because it had been such a long time that he was in there with her the police thought that Samantha must have known who her abductor was. But they thought it was staged. Yeah, they thought it was like an ex-boyfriend or someone like getting back at her family for something. Like they were just like thinking of all the possibilities. But her mm-hmm. family were like swearing up and down. Like they saw Samantha on this footage and they were like, no, like she did not know this person. Like you can tell she's, she's... a young girl. Yeah. Yeah. Um so the police are thinking that, you know, it's someone that she must know. And the family's like, no, it's not. So the police are kind of following any leads that they can. But there's really not much that they have to go off of. I mean, the video footage is very, like, it's not very good quality. And the man is, like, wearing a hood and a mask and everything. Like, he concealed his identity pretty well. So a search ensues around town to try to find Samantha. And the town even held a candlelight vigil which is super sweet and on the very scary people documentary I saw like the town filled up the whole town square so like a lot of people showed up to you know try to find Samantha and was doing everything that they can mm-hmm. um in the very scary people episodes that I was talking about Samantha's family is quoted saying that Samantha was open honest funny and protective just an amazing person and an amazing friend. She was her father's pride and joy, and they were very, very close. And that's the end of that quote. But she also said that, like, her father took this very personally, that someone, you know, took his daughter. So he was very yeah. active in, in trying to help the police and try to figure out what happened to his daughter. Are the police going to blame him? I feel it coming no they don't thankfully. <laughs> I don't know yeah so 16 long days later of not hearing anything from Samantha or getting any closure in any way you know getting tips um her abductor returns from his cruise and he starts planning out a ransom note that's so crazy. So I take some time off. Yeah. Now that I'm back, I can get my head right and yeah. get this ransom note. <laughs> back, back to work after that much needed vacation. Yeah. So crazy. So this is just awful, Sav. So after drafting the note, which demanded $30,000, he went to the shed and retrieved Samantha's frozen, lifeless body. And to make his ransom note appear genuine to Samantha's family, mm-hmm. he put makeup on her and sewed her eyes open. I know you can't see my face, but I'm... Yeah. I'm... Oh, my God. And he placed a copy of that day's paper next to her, and he took a picture of her. Sewed her eyes open? How does that look natural? I don't know. And I will have to actually let me send you a picture of this no (laughs) (laughs) um it is your search history so disturbing i know so i just send it to your phone and just let me know your thoughts 
<gasps> I mean, it's terrifying knowing what we know, but I could see yeah. why someone might think she's alive, and I hate that. Ew, ew, and her lips, they look like, like really bad lip filler, like something, I don't know, I'm sure it has something <laughs> to do with like decomposing, but ew, oh my god, okay. Yeah. It's terrifying. So, yeah, so, I mean, it kind of just looks like a scared girl, you know, like, Did you see knowing... black and white? Like, what year is this? Yeah, well, it is black did he... and white. Did I he get it printed where... somewhere? Like, how does that work? So he know... did, like, one of those disposable cameras. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, how do you go to Walgreens and print out this <laughs> scary-ass fucking photo? <laughs> and they're like, here you are, sir. Yeah, here's your terrifying picture. Yeah. So, yeah, so knowing what we know now, I mean, that picture is just just awful. And he even said in that I'm giving so much um, – like I'm quoting so many things from the very scary people documentary but it's a really good show you should definitely watch it they cover like a bunch of different maybe I'll make the spooky people. vibes tonight yeah yes yes go full in um and it like shows video footage of him and of uh, this guy in the police conference rooms or whatever interrogation rooms and he's like laughing and he's like yeah it took me it took me hours to get the makeup just right like just <sighs> disgusting Ugh, ugh. He's yeah. so scary. And probably so, doesn't even like care to think about the person he killed. It's just like, oh, had to get it right. It was so hard, long day. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Just disgusting. What does so, he do for work anyway? Oh yeah, construction. Okay. Construction. So he took this photo, um, as well as his ransom note and placed it in a nearby park under a memorial flower flower a memorial flyer for a dog named albert he then sent a text from samantha's phone to her boyfriend that stated quote connor park sign under pick of albert ain't she purdy <gasps> ew ew like disgusting that's so scary all, I, all i'm saying this whole time is disgusting but like that's yeah, all it is seriously disturbed seriously disturbed <laughs> So the police and the family immediately went to where the ransom note was placed and tried to recover any DNA or prints like tire tracks or anything left behind to help them figure out who it was. But they really didn't have like much to go off of. Like they had this ransom note and they believed Samantha was alive. So, you know, gave more power to this hunt to find out who Samantha was or sorry, where she was. Yeah, where she was. So did they not have cell phone tracking then? I don't know. I mean, this wasn't 2012. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. I think I got, like, my first iPhone in, like, 2011. There there might have been tracking, but I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. But there wasn't a Find My iPhone because that wasn't for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. So, okay. this is another awful part. A few days after <laughs> sending the text to Samantha's boyfriend of where to find the ransom note, he dismembered her body and hid the remains near a lake in a hole in the ice that he cut. Ugh, God. And he was able to do this like without getting caught because in shed? well, like in Alaska, you know, when they go fishing, they kind of put up a tent over the ice and like dig that little hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he just had the perfect cover. I mean, 
no yeah, Alaska's kind of scary it. for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so the police force, FBI, and James Koenig, who is Samantha's father, were doing everything they could to obtain the ransom money and figure out who this guy was that had Samantha. Everyone believed that she was still alive, according to that ransom note. Um, and James was able to obtain the $30,000 ransom note request from several generous members of the community. Oh, and that's so sad. I know, it was really sad. Um, and he deposited the money in Samantha's bank account, which was directed on the ransom note. Like, because mm-hmm. he, yeah, he had the debit card. Yeah, had the debit card. So that's where the debit card came in. Uh. So the FBI and the family notified banks and asked that as soon as this withdrawal was made from her account, that they be immediately notified. Mm-hmm. They knew that, okay, he would be withdrawing this money. I mean, why else would he have this ransom note? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why would he have done it? The money? Yeah. yeah. So that evening, after the money was deposited in Samantha's bank account, the police get notified that there had been a withdrawal from an account in Anchorage, Alaska. <gasps> and then soon, right after midnight, so it would be another day, mm-hmm. another withdrawal was made from a separate ATM in Anchorage, Alaska. Mm-hmm. And both of these withdrawals took out the daily limit of $500. So it's him. And they yeah. can see him, right? On the cameras? So, and I, I say this a little bit later, but they can see him on the cameras, but he is so, like, well-concealed. He has the hood. He has the ski mask. I mean, he is, like, hidden. Like, they, yeah. they have video stills of him but he's wearing glasses and the hood like you you can't really tell who he is it's so frustrating i know and although the police and the fbi are noted immediately once these withdrawals happen um they are never able to get to the atm on time in order to catch him like by the time that they get notified that the withdrawal happened and they get in their car and head to the atm i mean he's already gone gone yeah like what about fingerprints i don't know if that would I think I he know. had I think he had gloves as well. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> I know. So then on March 7th, just a couple days later, all of a sudden they get notified of another withdrawal. But this withdrawal is not coming from Anchorage, Alaska. It is coming from Wilcox, Arizona. <gasps> then they get another hit like a day later or a couple hours later in Lordsburg, New Mexico. What? I know. Is and that then, possible? He's just, he's traveling all over the U.S. And then by March 10th, just three days later, there was another withdrawal um, in Humble, Texas. So he's literally, I think he was traveling on like I-50 or some, I don't really know, highways, but he was traveling on some routes. Like the police can kind of track where he's going, like the route that he's taking. Mm -hmm. So it's crazy. It is crazy. And I thought you're going to say there's a partner maybe like, and he had like one card and he had the other card or something. I don't know. Uh, but no, it's just yeah. one man being psychotic. Just, just one man. Yeah. Yeah. Where's um, his girlfriend? Never mind. Okay. Let you go. But where the yeah, hell is, where, this where is his girlfriend? <laughs> um, so, like I said earlier, authorities were able to pull video footage from all of these ATMs, but this man is always wearing a ski mask. So they're not able to identify him. But they do notice that in every video footage they capture there is a white ford focus mm. so authorities put out an apb or an all points bulletin for this car mm-hmm. 
So we're still in Humble, Texas. It's like a very, very small town in Texas. Very humble. Yeah. Very humble. Um, So in Texas, a highway patrol officer comes across a white Ford Focus that's parked in the back of this motel parking lot. So he's undercover. He is sitting there and he stakes out the parking lot for 30 minutes, just waiting to see if anyone comes out of any of these rooms. Mm -hmm. And finally, after 30 minutes, he sees a man emerge from a hotel room and get into the white Ford Focus. Ah, I know. I feel like Ford Focuses are so common, but like they are. I guess when you're in a small town, you're looking at every single person, sketchy motel. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I think like all the officers in Texas were notified, especially in this town, like be on the lookout for this car. So it just so happens that, right, they're so common. It just so happens that he stumbled upon the right car. So he starts to follow the car and waits until the suspect does some sort of traffic violation so he can pull him over. Um, Mm -hmm. And after a couple minutes of following him around, the police officer clocked him going three miles over the speed limit. Oh, God, his ass. (laughs) (laughs) I know. in In the documentary I watched, it was like he had a heavy... A heavy foot because we kind of going three miles. Three miles. <laughs> that was like a heavy foot. Okay. Yeah, my baseline is five over. You know. Yeah, exactly. So he clocked him going three miles over the speed limit, and he realized that was enough reason to pull him over. So when mm-hmm. the officer asked for the driver's license and registration, he was handed a license from Alaska. The officer <gasps> oh does a search. God. I know the officer does a search of the man's vehicle. And discovered dye-stained bills from from a bank robbery. So sometime along this whole thing, he robbed a bank. God, what an idiot. I know. A ski mask, a gun, and Samantha's phone and debit card. He's so dumb for that. I know. So that was enough probable cause to arrest him. Yeah. And the man they arrested was Israel Keys. Israel fucking keys. Israel <laughs> keys. So we have the guy, right? Mm-hmm. But no, this story does not end here. It so, begins. <laughs> yeah, literally. While in custody, police realized what kind of man they actually had. Not just a murderer, but one of the scariest, most methodical serial killers of all time. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. So on that show, I keep referencing very scary people he's is quoted saying quote i would do something aka kill someone and then i would go back to business as usual go out with friends go out to bars talk to them see people and it was all a mind game it's it was all i needed it was my adrenaline what like go skydiving i know i I do anything do do anything else like yeah what Ugh. I know. And then, so right after that quote was shown, Daisha Eaton, who is also featured on this um, two-part episode, and as a former reporter on this case, said mm-hmm. that he could see people and just tell whether they'd be missed or not. And he would pick out the weak person in the her- in the hood. Oh my what? god. In the herd. <laughs> not the hood. Pick out the weak person in the herd? Yeah. So he just, like, had this ability. Clearly he messed up with Samantha. Exactly. Yeah. He like called it like a sixth sense or something where he could just tell who would be a good 
option for him to get his quote-unquote adrenaline rush so psychotic and so scary yeah and how did they did they know they were looking for a serial killer or was this like a shock so this was pretty much a shock because it was because it was all over wasn't it or no yeah and Uh. to this day we still really don't know the true number of people that he's murdered i mean that's why it's so scary and i'll gonna get into that shortly but just terrifying so while keys is in custody he begins to talk but it's at the request that this information does not get out to the press so that his young daughter doesn't have to know how bad of a man he really is god forbid now you're thinking of that (laughs) yeah so he's like i'll talk to you but you can't tell the press or the news media or anyone what I really did. And like, while he was talking, he would like kind of skirt around like any sexual assaults that he did. Like it was very, like it, it's not like he was ashamed of it, but I think he just didn't want to talk to it in case his daughter would find out about him. Yeah. Well, we found out. Yeah. We found out. Exactly. So um, while in custody, Keyes admitted to killing Samantha and admitted to them that she was dead basically the whole time. He goes on to say that once he had it in his head that he wanted to kill someone, it really didn't matter who it was. So That's once he so scary. <laughs> I know. And like in reference to Samantha, he literally just got an idea in his head that a coffee shop slash coffee stand would be a good place to adapt ad- would be a good place to abduct someone so he drove around to a couple like day of yeah he's just like oh that's a good idea and so he drove around to a couple and just ended up picking the one that was open the latest which Uh happened to be the one that samantha was working at well and he says he doesn't he picks out the most vulnerable it could be anyone but it seems like it's girls right with the sexual assault aspect of it well not really like oh my god it's just anyone like this one was like oh this place is open the latest so it probably won't be as populated around that was a determining factor yeah like literally his victims are just honestly wrong place wrong time like there was nothing that they could have done or nothing that they did do in the past, you know, that led yeah. to this happening to them. I mean, there's just, it's seriously uh, disturbed. <laughs> yeah, and it's so scary, like, because I'm always paranoid because this stuff can't happen. <laughs> yeah, it, that's why it's, like, literally, truly terrifying. It's, there's people out here that are like this. You can't prepare, yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. now going back to the ransom money that Keys requested. Do you remember that whole yeah, yeah, yeah. thing? Yeah. So he said in these interview um, tapes that the money was never even his plan. Yeah, he wanted to exploit the family for the money. But honestly, he just had it in his head that he wanted to commit murder. And he never planned to keep her alive long enough to actually like complete a ransom exchange. He just knew that he needed money and wanted to murder someone. So he put it in his head put a thought in his head oh let's just like do a ransom oh my god and i can't believe he actually got it and it worked and out. it worked that like it's crazy i mean this sounds so like awful but 
he's actually kind of like a genius like he's very smart and methodical and plans all of his attacks like so well like ugh, it's just awful. But at the same time it was right in the the moment like i feel like you're just so dumb and brave that it works because no one would think you would actually do that like i don't know yeah ugh. so and you made a good point and i'll get to it in a little bit okay i'll wait patient <laughs> i know so while he was in custody the police were able to locate samantha's body um, because Israel ended up directing them to exactly where it was. He pulled up the map of the lake and pointed to where he dug the hole. Mm-hmm. So thankfully, the family was finally able to locate her body and lay her to rest. Which so that she was just right there. Like I don't understand how the lake, the frozen lake, works. Like yeah, that. I don't like they brought in divers. I don't know if like oh. she sunk. I don't know what happened. Yeah. But I oh mean, she was frozen underneath the lake like the lake had frozen over yeah yeah it was so cold so as scary as all of this is we've already discussed keys is not done talking to the police Mm -hmm. it takes him a while to start opening up about just what tragic acts he has done and he even tells the police quote you will only know if i killed people if i tell you i killed them all of my victims are just missing persons and you will never think to connect me to them odd so then he's making it so open-ended that yeah you'll never know you'll never know and literally what makes him so terrifying and i keep repeating that word because it's true i mean there's no better word for him but as like i said earlier he seemed to pick his targets at random and in advance so all of his victims were just victims of opportunity they had no connection with him whatsoever he would travel, and this is, I think, the part that stuck with me the most about him, is he would travel across the country and plant these murder kits in various locations. <gasps> Do you remember this? Now? Yes, I remember this. I yes. forgot about this. Oh so my he would God. get, like, a five-gallon bucket and just That's put, so like, murder kit supplies in there, like, rope, knives, masks, like, zip ties just whatever murder 101 Mm -hmm. and he would just bury them in various locations and then whenever he decided that it was time to get his another quote unquote adrenaline rush he would travel to one of the locations he planted his murder kit (sighs) dig it up and just find a home nearby i that i can't believe that like that's actually so psychotic so psychotic and you think they're still out there like buried in places oh yeah definitely um Mm -hmm. like my next sentence is that his murder kits have been found in alaska new york and new york but he admitted that there were other kits like in washington wyoming texas and arizona and like probably other places who knows oh my god and we choose just random like houses or places i mean yeah i know all that but yeah, houses, places, people. Does anyone see a man burying, digging a big <laughs> hole? Like, that's so weird. Ugh. Yeah, and, like, in the documentary, um, there was a picture of, like, these rocks on a cliffside. And in, like, a little cavern in the rocks, buried underneath next to the rocks, you can see, like, the top little brim of a five-gallon bucket. Oh. It's so, like they found God. one of his murder kits. Like, that. That is so, so, so scary. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he just 
plans it out, but like, is that premeditated? I guess it's premeditated, but you don't have like the actual victim picked out. That's yeah. so, yeah. So yeah, it's a premeditated act, but not like, like he yeah. has no idea who he's going to kill until right about before he kills and How them. do you not get caught though? Because you're not thinking about who could know them, who could, I don't know, be expecting them or whatever. So that brings up a good point. So he did not have like a specific victim profile or MO. The only thing that he like had as a parameter was that he would not kill children or parents. Which okay, like how do you know someone's a parent? Because he would like stalk out his house. Like I'll I'll tell you like in in a oh little gosh. bit. But and like another reason he was never caught is because he would kill far from home. I mean he lived in Alaska and would go to like Arizona and Texas. And and while he was traveling, like he would take a flight from let's say like Anchorage to like Dallas and then he'd rent a rental car using cash and drive it to like Arkansas oh my god so it was like hard to track his specific movement like it was just so random so he would kill far from home and he would never strike in the same location twice um and while traveling to his locations like I just said he would only use cash and he was he would always also turn off his phone so he wasn't able to be traced. So I was there, I guess there were like track phone tracking back then, but I mean, he was just smart enough to turn it off. So no one could like ping cell towers and, you know, figure out where all of his kill kits and locations were. Yeah. How does he remember that? <laughs> yeah, seriously. And what does his girlfriend think? Like he just goes on these trips for a I'm week saying. or two without his phone. Like how and do you're you in construction? Yeah, yeah, you're not a business person. Like I don't know. Yeah, exactly. It's just and where's he getting the money? Well, he robbed banks. I mean, he robbed yeah, the right. yeah. debit card. I don't know. Um. So when Keys was younger, I don't like want to talk a lot about like Keys's childhood and and like who he is as a person in that aspect because I really only want to t- like shed light on the victims lives so mm-hmm. I'm not going to go like in detail on Keys's background like who he you is need to person. glorify the man exactly exactly but he started off like very young um like with these psych psychological aspects of him that he was basically like a psychopath like he would like torture and kill animals and he just like had all these like awful thoughts and he literally was like I thought that everyone had these thoughts and everyone was like me and and they just turned it off or something like that like no (laughs) yeah no not really feel like that so is he the one that invented these traits or is there or were these known no, I think they were known just because this is such later in time. Like, I think those... that was Dahmer, wasn't it? Yeah, it was one. I talking like the triad, like those three. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. The like bed the wedding. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I don't think. I think that was like back when profiling like became a thing, like in like the seventies or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he definitely had signs of like the triad or whatever. So, um, 
so yeah so he started to like see you could see signs in him at 14 but then when keys was 20 was when he got it in his head that he wanted to do his first kill commit his first yeah kill so he was living in oregon at the time helping his dad work on their house in the woods with some of his brothers and near their house was a creek that people would like float on inner tubes and stuff Mm -hmm. um and there was a group of girls floating on the river and one of them got separated from the group i think she went to the shore to do you know go to the bathroom or do something like me yeah literally (laughs) oh my god no doing it again yeah and while she was on the shore separated from the group he grabbed her and dragged her to a remote bathroom facility nearby where he subdued and raped her that's so fucking terrifying (laughs) yeah i mean like it's just random like anyone he didn't even know her um so his plan was to kill her and dump her in the waste tank that was like attached to the bathroom but the girl started talking to him and somehow was able to like convince him not to kill her which like period queen yeah period (laughs) amazing like to be able to like have that much like strength in you to like talk calmly composed yeah yeah I I think like she was saying too she was like like you're cute like you're someone that I would like talk to and date like you don't want to do this like you know what I mean like she was like yeah yeah calming him down yeah (laughs) I know seriously um so since she kind of talked him out of it he was just like he untied her and he was like all right go back to your friends he just let her go he just let her go and that later on like after he kind of like thought there or sat there and thought about what he did he was so mad at himself and he told himself that he would never let another victim go again oh like he was pissed at himself for doing that so did she tell the police or i don't know anything else about it i don't know if she told the police i mean i hope so but obviously like nothing so scared like yeah 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 so i don't know i mean that was when he was 20 that was I don't remember when he was born. I Like I said, I didn't put any of that bullshit. Yeah, no effort into him. Yeah, no. Yeah. So, obviously, that wasn't his first murder. That was his first plan to whenever he mm-hmm. was 20. But the first actual murder that Keys opened up to authorities about was a double, missings per- double missing persons case that mm-hmm. occurred only eight months before he abducted and murdered Samantha. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wait, so how old is he when he abducted Samantha? Um, well, this was eight months before. Okay. I don't know exactly how old he was. But he's saying he it was only I think eight. like 30s. He was saying he'd only done it for eight months? No, so like eight months before he abducted Samantha, uh-huh. he murdered this couple. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. I probably said that weird. Um. Well, I didn't know if this is his first killing. Well, this is the first one that he admits to. Got it. First, so one I don't know if it's to. if it's his first one, but also like back to what you said earlier, like did the authorities have any idea that he was a serial killer? So, whenever the um, investigation into Samantha was going on, police in Essex, Vermont, which is where this murder occurred, was like her case sounds suspiciously suspiciously similar to this case that we have here in vermont so they kind of like thought that Mm -hmm. they might be connected so police prodded israel keys 
um, more about this. And that's whenever he admitted to it. Interesting. Yes. So they're similar. Yep. So they're similar. So, um, back in June 8th of 2011 in Essex, Vermont, um, Israel Keys broke into the home of Bill and Lorraine Courier in the middle of the night and ins- and instigated what he dubbed as a blitz attack. So he cut their phone couple? line. Yeah, it was a couple. It was an older couple. They were like oh in their my God, 40s that's so and 50s. Sad. Yeah. Oh, well, okay. But still sad. It is sad. So before going into the home, he cut their phone line. And then he proceeded into their home wearing a headlamp, a headlamp where he tied the couple up and then put them in their own car and drove them to an abandoned farmhouse at gunpoint. <gasps> so this, there's two of them and one of him. Yeah. And I think the reason that he was able to pull this off was he broke into their house while they were sleeping mm-hmm. and he literally broke in. And that's why he called it a blitz attack because he broke in and was in their bedroom, like already commanding them to do what he said in six seconds yeah yeah so like they're just waking up from like a deep sleep and you have someone with a headlamp and a gun pointed at you like telling you to get on your stomach and to tie you up yeah like you're probably just like so flustered like I can't imagine coming out of a deep sleep and be like what is going on you know like yeah um so once he got the abandoned farmhouse which was only a few miles from um the courier's house he took bill to the basement first and tied him up and then he went back outside to the car to get lorraine but he saw her running away from the car toward the road and she was like literally so close to the road once he finally saw her but again he was like in his 30s he was quick he ran after her tackled her and then took her upstairs and assaulted her oh my god tied her up and you know subdued her to stay upstairs so while this was all happening bill her husband was in the basement screaming for his wife and for help and this Mm. pissed keys off so he left lorraine where she was upstairs and went downstairs and shot bill (gasps) so he's using all kinds of weapons and things yeah and in this documentary he was saying he was like i had a plan but he didn't say what the plan was, but his plan was not to shoot them. But Bill was being like so aggressive towards Keys and like was yelling at him. Like, yeah, I mean, just trying to fight back that Keys just pulled out his gun and shot him. Oh my like, God. Awful. Um, so then Keys went back upstairs and strangled the rain. And in that very scary people episode that I keep referring to, mm-hmm. it, shows him talking about this act that he did and he's literally just like sitting there laughing while he's recounting this story what a freak yeah Mm. he is so the next day when the families of bill and lorraine courier realized that the couple was missing they went to their house to see if they can figure out what happened or where they went the only strange thing that stood out to them was a single broken window in the garage and they, so that's how they know how he got in. So he broke the window mm-hmm. and grabbed a, like, wrench or not a wrench. Um, he was just expecting something to be there. <laughs> yeah, he just grabbed something from the garage to help him get into the home. Um, awful. Crazy. So, 
Yeah, so there were no leads. No one knew why anyone would want to harm this couple. I mean, they were just a nice small town couple. So Mm -hmm. the case went cold very, very quickly. Um, Chittenden County State's Attorney, which is the county in which this brutal attack happened, um, State's Attorney T.J. Donovan said, quote, It is clear from the facts of this case Though confronted with death, Bill and Lorraine showed extraordinary bravery and extreme dedication and love for one another. Aww. They fought to the end. That's so sad and so sweet. I know. It is sad. And it's just like, I mean, thinking back to like some of Bill's last words where he's literally calling out like, where's my wife? You know, like trying to fight for his wife's life. Like, yeah. it's just, it's awful. God, it like breaks my heart. It's so sad. Yeah. You're just going to sleep on a random day and this happens. Exactly. So you may be wondering, like, why did Keyes choose them out of all Mm -hmm. people? So Keyes admitted that two years prior to the courier's death, he hid one of his murder kits just two miles from their home. And this murder kit contained a handgun, silencer, silencers, ligatures ammunition and garbage bags <laughs> yeah so it just fit because they were close yeah he said that he admitted like whenever he planted this um death kit that mm-hmm. he didn't plan on killing the couriers at this time he didn't even know who they were mm-hmm. but when he came back two years later to dig up the bucket he noted their simple ranch floor plan and thought it'd be easy to get in and get out oh my god yeah and he like sat outside their house like in a bush or something and was watching them and noted that they didn't have a dog and based on the way that their yard looked could tell that they didn't have any kids and it was probably a single just like a single couple oh my god yeah this is why we need dogs <laughs> I know. Well, also people just shouldn't fucking be sucking but yeah oh I my mean, god yeah so oh. Shortly after Keyes confessed to killing Samantha and the couriers, a news station released his name to the media. And that's what he didn't like, so he's going to shut up now. Yep. And once Keyes heard of this, he stopped talking to the police. So he would have kept talking. I mean, the police were trying to do everything they could. They weren't putting his name out there. Mm -hmm. You know, they weren't tying him to these crimes because that's the way that he would be able to keep talking. Like, that was his... Yeah, that was the only ask. Yeah, that was the only ask. And somehow it slipped to a news media. And, of course, the news media ate it up. They love to be the first ones to tell the story. I mean, we get it. We want it. We want to know. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, it's aggravating, but... I mean, what do you, we see this all the time. What are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was bound to happen. But yeah, like, let's just wait it out a little longer. But I it's know. hard when you like the police probably weren't saying anything and they weren't like saying we can't say because. Right. It's like we can't say anything at this time. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So police believe that if he hadn't become complacent and killed Samantha in his hometown, he would likely have never been caught just because of the way that he carried out all of his crimes. I mean, they were so random. Yeah. There was literally no trace to him whatsoever. Yeah. So and he's cash and yeah, yeah, cash turning off his cell phone. I mean, using multiple forms of transportation to get where he needed to be. And I mean, planting them years prior. Oh my yeah. gosh. So mm. 
Keyes was done talking, but while he talked, he hinted at having killed at least 11 people, though the number is believed to be over 36. It is hard oh to know. God. It is hard to know the exact number of victims because he did not like keep any trophies like a lot of serial killers do. Mm-hmm. And I mean, literally, he didn't have a specific MO or he just did this to do stuff. it. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. I mean, like, you could say, oh, he had an MO of young girls like Samantha and um, that girl from the raft. We but never, he didn't. We never knew her name. Yeah, but he didn't. He then went and killed an older couple and like hinted at 11 other people. Like it didn't matter if they were old, young, guy or girl, couple. But I let's mean, give him a round of applause because he doesn't want to kill children or parents. Yeah. Yeah. It's just annoying. So, yeah. Um, so there, we really do not know how many people that are missing could be tied back to keys and Mm. the only way this is crime junkie said this which crime junkie was another big um podcast that i listened to to get a lot of my information from but the only way we have to narrow this list down is by tracking his travel movements that he took starting back in 2001 which (sighs) 2001 was when authorities believed he killed his first victim so that's kind of like when they think that this murder spree started so just Mm -hmm. like starting from 2001 until he was arrested in 2012 just try to piece everywhere that he went and try to connect those two missing person cases i mean it's a big task to especially because his travel arrangements were so random as well you know like yeah you don't know like even if he flew somewhere where he drove drove to or (laughs) drove to you don't know any of those things yeah and when he used cash i mean he was very smart in like not being able to be detected for this long i need so, to know from this girlfriend long-term girlfriend and like the child i bet they're in protective services but oh, i'm sure they like change their names and yeah yeah definitely i just i need to know like what does she think what does she know what does mm-hmm. the kid know like does it can they give i'm sure they're giving timelines and things of everything they yeah, know but that's a good point too like yeah, yeah when was where he was home? he yeah where yeah. was he this and this date yeah exactly that i don't know if they're i i didn't see anything about that if i mean that's jarring they're yeah. probably not well right now <laughs> seriously yeah um i just i can't imagine um so when asked why he's killed all of these people he responded why not oh my god literally just do anything else yeah anything else like he just got it in his head that he could and that he was smarter than everyone and that he'd get away with it and honestly he probably would have and he has gotten away with a lot of them because he just stopped talking and on december on december 2nd 2012 while he was in jail he took his own life as well as any other knowledge that he had of his crimes coward yep coward like and that's what um a family friend of samantha said on the show she was like you took all of these people's lives but when it was time for you to like stand up and you know own up to it yeah exactly own up to your crimes you took the coward way out like yeah it's just i mean what do you expect from someone like that but exactly exactly and it's but, just, it's so infuriating too because he was willing to talk and then all of a sudden he wasn't. Well, and it's weird because he has like 
this non-emotion towards all these victims but then he doesn't want his daughter to hear any of this like that doesn't make sense to me like you obviously do feel something somehow but how do you not how do you compartmentalize it like that's so bizarre yeah because he has these two separate personalities that he can just switch back and forth to i mean while he was in prison he wrote this very creepy which i didn't even read it but i took this person's word for it that it was creepy (laughs) this four plate this four page letter that did not include any identities or any other of his unnamed victims but instead described them as quote pretty captive butterflies (gasps) so yeah like he just thought like people were things things that he could do whatever he wanted to do with them because he could i mean i like did he feel any type of remorse like for because he killed himself but yeah i think he killed himself because he wanted to go out on his own terms like he's like yeah i gave you this one ask which dude you don't no one owes you shit like literally yeah stop and also like you did all of these things you gotta fucking own up to i mean it just gets me so like infuriated because yeah yeah, it's just annoying um he still can't like he's still blaming other people like well if they wouldn't have done that yeah if they wouldn't have leaked my name i would i would still be telling people so because you leaked my name i'm gonna i know we don't care about him and his life but i need to know what like i need to go do a little side goog and figure out (laughs) what his childhood was like like how does this get created like (laughs) so i know a little bit of information about his childhood um he was born like the oldest of like 10 sons or something or eight sons or didn't get enough attention and his and his family was very like anti-public schools anti-vaccinations anti-government like they lived in a one-bedroom cabin in the middle of the woods that didn't even have like electricity or access to the human population Mm -hmm. and like that's just how he grew up like he didn't really have any friends he was really isolated and he didn't get along with his siblings or um I don't know if he did or didn't but I mean, like, whenever he was 14, that's when he started, like, he brought his friend with him to show him how he tortured and killed cats, and his friend literally, like, vomited next to him in the woods when he showed him, and he was like, like, am I different? Like, yeah, Yeah. you are. Yeah, you are. (laughs) No normal kid tortures and kills animals, but, yeah. um, Yeah. Mm. and then, like, whenever he was 20, he tried to rebel against his family and joined the the army and he made a statement i don't want to like i can't quote it verbatim but he made a statement in the very scary people documentary like once i saw how big the world was it made my problems seem so small and it made me realize that i could do what i wanted to do and the and my god and the um um person that was interviewing him was like you mean kill people and he was like yeah I could go kill people that's just crazy yeah like you you could take that in so many better different directions like <laughs> any yeah, other the world's direction. so big I can do anything like yeah. something not murdering people exactly so hmm. well just very awful. good story well very I, bad I have one story more line. I have one okay, more line okay. bring it out so at the funeral service for keys which i don't really think 
probably anyone attended besides maybe his like parents um I don't know but the pastor opened the service for keys by stating he is not in a better place he is in a place of eternal torment wow that's actually wild <laughs> I know like when you're supposed like a funeral is to, like you know pay your respects and like yeah like no he is not in a better place <laughs> no <laughs> that I mean yeah wow I can't believe they even had a funeral I know me too but like, who bought that who paid for that that's scary or it could be his wife like in denial or I guess long-term partner but I mean that's like this like similar to like Ted Bundy's girlfriend you know at the time like yeah how like it's honestly terrible like there's like a lot of podcasts that I listen to that quote like you I think crime junkie quotes it like you never really know who anyone is yeah and it's just so scary I know like looking backwards you don't know who your boyfriend is like that's so scary I know <laughs> like he could be a serial killer yeah I gotta go <laughs> I'm terrified I know but that is the yeah. story of Israel Keys. thank you Lolo for giving us that terrifying um Sunday scary I am definitely going to be Sunday scary going to bed <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I will definitely have nightmares tonight. Um, thank you all for tuning in to this Sunday scary episode of Seriously Disturbed. We will put out new episodes every Sunday. So please like, rate, and subscribe to us on Spotify and any other listening platforms. You can listen to podcast app. Yeah, we'll see you guys next Sunday. And I have a scary one for you all. Be well. <laughs> Can't wait. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>